Aren't you thankful for the presence of the Lord today? Amen. I haven't brought enough books with me to teach from, so I'm just going to bring some more tonight. How about that? It's good to be here on a Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. Wednesday Warriors. Look at your neighbor and say, good to see you, Wednesday Warrior. If you're brand new to Wednesdays, that's what we call the faithful on Wednesday night. Amen. But we are glad to see you tonight. Thankful for the presence of the Lord. Thankful for what God's doing. I believe God's going to do great things this summer at TPC. Amen. You believe that? I believe that. And we're... God doesn't take a vacation. God's the same every day. I'm thankful that we can all get a vacation and get a break. Amen. But God's still moving. God's still working. He's still pouring out his spirit. God's still doing great things. And I believe God's going to do great things this summer here at TPC. You could be seated for just a minute. Hopefully you have your notes. We're continuing our series in Daniel. But I just want to take a minute um, and... I'm not going to go through all of these, but sometimes summer, how many of you have ever had a summer reading list? Anybody ever had a summer reading list? Maybe I'm the only one. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate that. How many of you even like to read? Praise God. We'll just start there. You'll understand why I'm going to do this, uh, hopefully later in in this uh, lesson today. But uh, some of these books are outside uh, on the recommended reading list. Some of them are not. But I just wanted to bring a few books. If you're needing something to read that you want to uh, help yourself this summer change, uh, become a better follower of Jesus, better person, better in your relationships, um, I brought some books here uh, today. Uh, Chase the Line is an incredible book uh, talking about uh, if your dream is too small, uh, and then you're then it's not a God dream. Winning the War on Your Mind by Craig Rochelle, a tremendous, tremendous book. Uh, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, one of the best books on forgiveness. Uh, highly, highly recommend this. I have another book here on forgiveness by Dr. Timothy Keller called Simply Forgive. It's a tremendous book. Safe People. How many remember Safe People? If you haven't read it yet, this is one of our top recommended uh, uh, reading books here at TPC, so we highly recommend that. Get Out of Your Head, incredible, incredible book. You see all those little flags on the side? That's my wife's markings on this book. I think she's read it like three times. Um, Live No Lies, it's an amazing book. Um, And uh, Recognizing and Resisting the Three Enemies, the Ways the Enemy Sabotages Your Peace, tremendous book. Uh, Andy Stanley, The Principle of the Path. If you're in your 20s and you've never read this book, I would put this book at the top of your list. Also a great book, and we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. And uh, it's not easy to ask great questions, but John Maxwell, this is an older John Maxwell book, and it's a classic. So I'm going to leave these up here and um, for you tonight, and I hope that uh, by the end of the Bible study tonight, you'll understand why I brought all of those books, because I could have brought a whole lot more, I promise. <laughs> but um, as we always say around here, uh, leaders are what? Readers. Everybody say that with me. Leaders are 
readers. If you're going to be a leader in any point and place in your life, if you're going to be a leader in business, you're going to be a leader in your family, leader in your home, leader in your education, wherever it is, leaders, you're going to have to understand that you have to educate yourself. Everybody say educate yourself. Jesus is teaching in Luke 10. This is in your notes here. And he says something that many of us already know tonight, but I want to emphasize part of this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Are y'all with me? All of your what? Soul, all of your strength, and then what? All of your what? Mind. I want you to circle that or underline that there in your handout. With all of your mind. Everybody say mind. And what? And we don't want to leave this part out. And your neighbor as yourself. That's another Bible study. The Bible says that we are to love God with our minds. Now, a lot of times we focus in, in Christianity, especially spirit-filled Christianity, we focused on what? We focus on our heart, our spirit, our emotions, right? We don't necessarily focus on our minds. So I, I hope that you'll stay with me tonight because I want to make sure that we have the understanding when we leave here tonight that our mind, when it comes to living for God, our mind is incredibly important. Amen? It is incredibly important. So how do we love God with all of our minds? We, we, well, number one, we love God with our minds by using our brain. I, I know that's revelation, but it's still true. Amen? We use what God gave us. Also, we love God by our minds, by developing our minds, by not wasting our minds, and by educating. Everybody say educating. Educating our minds. One of the greatest ways that you can love God with your mind is by learning. Everybody say learning all that you can learn. The Bible has a lot to say about learning and education. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19.8, do yourself a favor and do what? Learn what? All that you can and then what? Here's the hard part. Remember what you learn and then what happens? And you will prosper. So the writer in Proverbs says there's a connection between me what? Prospering and what? Me learning. Do yourself a favor and get an education. Now, a lot of times... This group is a mature group. I know that we have students in here uh, tonight as, as well, and we've got young students, we've got older students, but I know that the majority of us here are past that education stage where we think that we've got to go back to school. But here's the thing. If we're not learning, we're already dying. Let me say that again. If we're not learning, we're already dying. Okay, so there's no one in this room that is exempt from the command to do what? To learn all that you can. Amen. So we may not be able to go back to school. We may not have the time nor the money because it is expensive, right, to go back to school. But how many of you figured out you can educate yourself? Amen. I said, you can educate yourself. And I don't have time to get into this, but you can get the equivalent of a degree online for free now. You may not get a piece of paper in the mail, but you can get the equivalent of a four-year degree and it's on for free. Do you know that one of the most prestigious universities in the country, MIT, 
in, uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. They have an incredible amount of resources online, and it's all free. So we have no excuse, right? We have no excuse. We have the ability to educate, your, educate ourselves. One of the greatest ways that we can educate ourselves is by what? By reading. So it's not by accident that in almost every country in the world, in times past, the first church and the first hospital were started by the Christian church. The church invented the hospital. Why? Because we're not just a preaching and teaching faith, we're a healing faith as well. God doesn't just care about your soul and your body. He cares about your mind. And your education does not end in 12th grade. All right? Look at your neighbor. It does it say, neighbor, your education didn't end when you graduated. To be successful, you've got to be in a continual process of learning. Okay? I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this lesson is going to be so practical. You're going to like, man, that wasn't very spiritual, but I promise you it's going to be so practical because it's going to be hard for us sometimes to live this out. Sometimes the more practical the Bible studies, the more difficult it is for us to live out. Amen. We're good, but you know, you know why we like the spiritual stuff? Cause it makes us feel good. And then we go home and we forget everything that we heard because we still felt good. But the problem is, is you've got to learn and process the information that God's giving us. Why? Because we have a continuous, we have a, ten, a continuous need of the knowledge that only God can give to us. All of us have heard this phrase, knowledge is power, right? You know where that came from? It came from the Bible. If you want to be strong, if you want to be successful, only wisdom can bring strength and knowledge, and knowledge brings power. But the Bible says that you have to be careful what you are learning. In other words, you have to guard your minds. Proverbs 4.13, this is, I think, in your outline. Your education is your life, so guard it well. All right? Now, when I say education tonight, I'm not just talking about degrees. you understand that? Because you can have a lot of degrees and still be dumb. You can have a lot of degree. You can have two or three PhDs and still have no common sense. Amen? You can still have two or three PhDs and have a broken marriage and be bankrupt and life upside down. Why? Because you have a lot of knowledge but no wisdom. Right? And this is what we're talking about here. And say, what does this have to do with Daniel? I'm fixing to tell you. Okay? So just hold on. So, Parents, I just want to say this. And relatives, are you helping stu your students that know how to guard their minds? Because here's the thing. They're being educated by the devices that are in their hand. Okay? I said they're being educated by the devices that are in their hand. They're being educated by YouTube. Right? So we may as well be intentional about talking about this. Last week we talked about what? Being, uh, understanding that with every blessing, there's a, if you remember, there's a what? Test. Everybody say that? A test. God tests us to see if we're ready to handle the blessing, the success, the influence, the power, the blessing that God wants to give us. And every blessing in your life, there is always a test. Why does he test us? He tests us so he knows that he can trust us. 
right? Remember the, the, the example of the vessel that I brought up here. The reason that we could put water in it because the reason that we knew that we could trust it to hold the liquid is because it had already been tested. Amen? You want to know why some of you are in the middle of a great fiery furnace test? Because God is getting ready to trust you with a spiritual promotion that you've never understood before. And you'll never get the promotion until you pass the test. That's good. That's good. That's a that's, that's good word right there. So we talked about for two weeks the background. Daniel 1. In your notes, Daniel 1 and 4 and 5, we talked about the Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came into Israel after years, hundreds of years of prophecy that God was going to judge Israel. So the Bible, we picked this up in Daniel 1 and 4, Nebuchadnezzar commanded, select young men, make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning. Teach these young men all the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And they were to be trained for three years. Then some will serve the king after they graduate. So they're being what? Immersed at 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 years old. They're being immersed in not a godly, right, environment. They're being immersed in a pagan culture filled with polytheism. But the Babylonians were also very brilliant people. The Bible says here in the message paraphrase, it says this, indoctrinate them in the Babylonian lore of magic and foretelling. He says that this education system was designed to produce psychics and fortune tellers and magicians, magi. Why? Because the Babylonians were incredibly superstitious. So they wanted you not just to learn the basics of language. They wanted you to learn how to tell the future through magic and through the stars. But God had prepared Daniel and his three Hebrew friends in verse 17. Look what it says. God gave these four men, young, these four young men, an unusual aptitude for learning, for learning the literature and the science of time. What this verse is saying is that God is never going to ask me to do something that he does not give me the ability to do. Let me put it another way. God will never put more on you than he puts in you to make it happen. I need to say that again. God will never put more on you than what he puts in you to make it happen. So these young men, they had already passed two incredible tests. We talked about those the first two weeks. Major changes in their life coming out of Israel into Babylon. Peer pressure. They had already passed this test. And every time they passed a test, they got a promotion. The problem is this. They are now submerged into an ungodly pagan culture of Babylon. They're going to learn all these myths and superstitions. Not just one God, but multiple gods occultic practices, false science, and fallacies. But you have to understand, too, that the Babylonians were brilliant people. In fact, even today, we understand that most people believe it is because of the Babylonians that we discovered the planet Jupiter even before there was a telescope. They were great students of the stars, but it was not for scientific reasons. It was for religious reasons. It wasn't for astronomy. It was for astrology, all right? 
So this, this was an understanding. The Zodiac, how many of you ever heard of the Zodiac, right? The Babylonians invented the Zodiac. They invented the idea of astrology. But to them, it became a religion. They believed that God spoke through the stars and the planets and all of the things that they could see in the universe. So you get your mystics and your physics and your fortune tellers and your stargazers, and that's where they were going to learn. One of the reasons that we have 60 minutes in an hour is because of Babylon, because to Babylon, 60 was a very magical number. One reason that we talk about 360 degrees in a circle is because of Babylon. So we have even today the leftovers of a Babylon. Babylonian culture. I don't have time to get into this, but it's very interesting to note that most scholars believed that the three wise men, the magi that showed up at the the birth of Jesus Christ, not at the birth, but two years in to the process, the Bible says they were from where? They were from the Far East. They were actually, most scholars believe, they were originally from a school that originated in Babylon. It's amazing. Verse 18, the Bible says, when the three-year training was completed, when they learned all of the fake stuff of the Babylonian culture, the chief official brought all of these young men to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with each of them, and none of them, the Bible says, listen, you should underline that in your Bible. I have that highlighted and underlined, but you should underline that. None of them impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they were appointed to his staff as advisors. You have to understand that God took four Hebrew 18-year-olds that were coming out of exiles, literally prisoners of war, and God put so much favor on their life that God literally elevated them from being prisoners of war and slaves straight into the palace. Remember what our theme is for this series, not just unshakable, but what? Thriving in exile. God does not just want you to succeed in this world. He wants you to what? He wants you to thrive in this world. In all matters, the Bible says, requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, the king found the advice of these young men, Daniel and his three friends, to be, what, ten times better than that of all the magicians and encounters in the entire kingdom. You talk about fast-tracking your education. What I want to talk to you today is about how do we, us, today, look at your neighbor and say, you, How do we as students and now lifelong learners, how do we learn what we need to learn without losing our ability to have faith in God? Amen? Remember what we've said the last couple of weeks. We're in a constant environment of indoctrination. Let me say that again. We're in a constant environment of indoctrination. You don't know it yet, but most of us in this room, probably 99% of us, live in a bubble of information that we have produced ourself. And we live actually in an echo chamber of what we want to hear. I don't have time to prove it to you, but I can prove it to you. So what are, we, what are you talking about, David? We're only being indoctrinated by the things that we want to hear. But the problem is with that is some of the things that we want to hear is still false. 
So the important thing is this, that we have to know this, that if we are going to be lifelong learners in this current culture, we have to understand that there's a difference between truth and opinion, what's right and what's wrong. I don't have time to go through all of this, but I think most of you understand that in the 60s, our country was turned upside down. Three major rulings took the Bible and prayer out of the schools from the Supreme Court. We have to remember that during this time, uh, up to this time, that prayer and the Bible were a constant part of public education. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but almost every single Ivy League school, I'm talking about Harvard, Yale, all of those schools were actually begun to train pastors to preach the gospel in North America, almost every single one of those schools. Uh, so the Supreme Court took 300 years of the Bible and prayer all of a sudden out of the public schools. But it didn't just leave a void because the secular world said we're going to take religion out of the school so there's no religion in the schools. But what happened is in the middle of that void, the religion of Christianity was taken out, but there was another religion that was put into our school system all the way up to the university level, and it's called secular humanism. And many people will say, well, that's not a religion. Well, actually, no, it is a religion. The founder of modern education, John Dewey, and he was a very famous humanist. He called humanism our most common faith. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know anything about humanism, there's a lot of information out there. I don't have the time to go through it, but I'll just give you a little short snapshot. Humanism is the driving force behind Marxism and communism. Amen? So what this means now is that we have raised several generations who have gone through an education system without a Christian world view. And we are reaping the results of that in our society. You want to know what's wrong with this world? You turn on Fox News, CNN, or whatever your news source is, whatever they splash across the headline, you want to know what is at the core, at what is wrong with the culture of America. It's this right here. We are living in a world that has now been shaped by a humanistic worldview. And let me tell you something. Hear me very carefully. The church shrunk out of the marketplace, the education system, and the entertainment space, it withdrew itself into its four walls, and it abdicated to the enemy in the 1960s, and now the result of that is what we're facing today. It's still true. Amen? So how do we continue our education? How do we continue as learners in this culture? How many of you are a student? That's like, I hope that's more than just the students that are actually students. Pastor's got his hand raised. You might want to rethink your answer. <laughs> How many of your students? You're all students. See, here's the thing. It's not whether you're a student or not. It's just what are you learning? Right? Are, are you with me? It's not whether you're a student or not. It's whether you're learning what's right and what's wrong. So here it is in your handout. How do we continue to be lifelong learners and still not lose our faith? I think it's a horrendous thing when I hear of young men who will go through college and go through three or four years of seminary and come out the other side as atheists and agnostic. 
But that's the world that we live in. So we live in a world right now that says what's right for me and what's true for me may not be true for you. How many of you have ever heard this phrase, I will live my own truth? If you haven't, you will. Because everybody has their own definition of truth. There's only one problem with that. Truth is truth. Opinions are relative, but truth is truth. If it's true, it will always be true. Ladies and gentlemen, gravity is not going to change in the next hundred years. If I step off of this platform, guess what? Guess where I'm headed? To the concrete. And that's not going to change. I don't care how much we psychoanalyze it. It's not going to change. But this idea that truth has now become relative, and even those who would say that there is no absolute truth, are you absolutely sure that there's no absolute truth, is nonsense, and it's illogical, and it's irrational, and you can't even say it because it violates the point itself. There are absolute truths, just like gravity proves to us. There are absolute truths. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about this in just a second. We must figure out what we believe about God and his word. Or we will be swayed. Why? Because we're living in an environment that is constantly trying to change our perspective about God. You, 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 you understand why the agenda, let me, let me just, I don't have this in my notes and I don't want to get too far off of this, but let me tell you something. We look at all the things that are going on right now, all the movements, and I'll just leave it at that because I want to be kind. Look at all the movements that are taking place in America and in the world. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what the real thing is behind all of these movements. The agenda behind all of these movements is not for us to be more culturally accepting. The agenda behind all of these movements is not for us to just openly embrace all of these things. The agenda behind these movements is for us to change the reality of what we believe about God. Because the attack will never be on the most central things in our life because we would be expecting that. So the agendas of this world and the attacks of this world to shift our thinking about things that seem so peripheral, right? Because it does sound biblical for us to say, well, love is love. But the agenda and the attack is not there. What's behind the agenda and the attack is the greater agenda and attack. Because if the world system can get you to stop believing that certain things are not sin, boy, it got heavy in here. If the world can get us to start believing that certain things are not sin and certain things are okay in this life, then the world can begin to whittle away at the more core beliefs of who we are as Christian believers. So the agenda is never about the things that we see splashed across the newspaper. The agenda is about the attack of our identity as being Christ-following believers. 
You want to know what the enemy's really after? He really wants to attack your belief system and believing that Jesus is God. Because if he can start to get you to question all of these other things, then maybe he can just start pulling the thread in your belief system and your understanding to say, oh, wonder what else is really not like I thought it was. Wonder what else is really not like I used to believe it was. And he'll start picking and he'll start unraveling. And that's why I come to teach to you on a Wednesday night. you got to guard your mind. You got to guard your mind. Number one, you got to decide in advance if you're going to stand for God. That's your number one thing. Four things from Daniel's life. I've got to decide in advance if I'm going to stand for God. Daniel and these three Hebrew children made up in their minds that they were going to stand for God no matter what came against them. Amen? Here's what I'm going to do because I'm going to run out of time. I'm going to give you all these points, and then I'm going to go back to number one. Number two, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Number three, steep. That's an old term. We don't use it anymore, but it's on the, on the, on the screen. Steep yourself in God's Word. Number four, choose the right relationships. Now, I'm not going to get to all of this, but can I just have the next few minutes now that you've got all the blanks filled in? Because I have some of you that come to me and say, I don't have all the blanks filled in. You don't have all the blanks filled in, but we're going to get there. All right? But I want you to have those points because we're not going to finish. The time to choose your loyalty, hear me very carefully, ladies and gentlemen, the time to choose your loyalty is before the test happens. Why? Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, you might, maybe. It may not happen if you're a good person. No, you will have what? Tribulation. So it's not if you will, it's if you can count on it. It's a guarantee that your faith is going to be tested. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy. This is a powerful verse in, in 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here's the thing. How do I know that I'm standing for something? You know that you're standing for something when the world is buffeting against you because you're standing for something. If you stand for truth, you're going to suffer some kind of harassment. Now hear me, I know. I'm, I'm not dumb. I know that we're not going through the persecution that people are going through around the world, right? I had a young man that I mentored. He left and went to college for a year. He called me up. He said, Pastor David, Pastor David, you got to pray for me. I said, man, what's wrong? He said, man, they are persecuting me up here for being a Christian. I said, hold on before you use that word too much. I said, have they took you outside of the college campus and threatened to stone you, disembowel you, and cut your head off? He said, no, they haven't done that. He said, they're just talking bad about my faith. I said, then be careful that you don't use that word persecution too much. That sounds like harassment, not persecution. So I want to be clear. We say, oh, I'm being persecuted for my beliefs. No, you're just being gently harassed. Amen? We're not to that point yet, right? 
We're not to that point. And I don't have time to go there, but we're not to that point. So you have to understand that the most important test that you'll ever have as you continue to learn is the test of your faith. Do you believe what you still believe? Here. Hear me, and I think this room is full of mature believers to understand. There are certain core things about the Bible that you have to believe in, okay? If you do not believe that Jesus is not both God and human, then anything else you believe is just, it just doesn't make any, it just doesn't matter. There are certain things that you have to to believe, that are a part of the core doctrines of this Bible. Now, Paul says there are certain things we thought that we should believe in, according to the Jewish law, that now we have liberty on, okay? Don't have time to do that lesson, but we have liberty on those things. But ladies and gentlemen, there are certain things in our life that we must understand, that we must believe, And so I can start with the fact, hey, do you believe, Brother Carlton, that Jesus is God? Okay, if you believe that, then that's a good starting point. Okay, but the test of our faith will always whittle away at the periphery of what we say that we believe. What did Daniel decide to do? Daniel decided to thrive in the middle of his exile, and they excelled. Why? Because before they ever got into three years of indoctrination, and it was three years of indoctrination, but before they ever got into the middle of that, they decided that I know what I believe. Amen? So before you pick up, hear me very carefully for you, lifelong learners, before you pick up anything in the bookstore that's even remotely theological, make sure you still understand what you believe. That's a good word right there. Now, here's the thing. A lot of these things we have to understand, it's like eating chicken, right? You eat the good stuff and you do what? You throw out the feathers and the bones, Okay, but you still have to understand what you believe. The best thing that ever happened to David Grigsby is me getting my biblical education from a Reformed Presbyterian Calvinistic seminary. You want to know why? Because I had to figure out in the middle of everything that was being thrown at me that I didn't believe what I truly believed. And then I had to defend it, not just with one or two scriptures that I used to could throw out and defend it, but now I had to defend it both theologically and from an educational standpoint, and I had to make up my mind, this is what I believe. One of the best professors I had, and and in fact, he's still a great friend to me. I'm still in contact with him. I said to him, I said, you know, now you've read a few papers. You know that I'm not a Calvinist. He said, oh, I do know that you're not a Calvinist. And he said, I'm okay with that because you can defend what you believe. And I said, you better believe I can defend what I believe. But sometimes it takes us getting into the middle of a circumstance or an environment of a test to really find out if we believe that or not. It's true. Daniel 1 and 8, Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself. 
So the starting point as a lifelong learner in any area of our life is that we've got to make a commitment and say that I'm going to protect my mind. I'm going to protect my heart. I'm going to try to do the best that I can to learn, but I've got to have boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. How do you excel? The Bible says, Proverbs 1 and 7, he says, start with God. That's your starting point. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. That's humility. And the Bible says, only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. If you start with God, he is the foundation of all truth. You want to know where mathematics came from? You want to know where science came from? You want to know where biology came from? It came from an understanding of the creator, God of the universe. You see, one day we're going to stand before God, and all of these other tests are not going to matter. I said, we're going to stand, all stand before God, and that's going to be the test that really matters. And when we stand before God, God's not going to say, well, how did you do at social studies? How'd you do at algebra? Thank God. <laughs> I, I didn't do too well at algebra. He's going to say, do you know me? That's what he's going to ask. Here's the test. Do you know me? And how were you saved? I was saved by the mercy of grace. Proverbs 15.33 says this, reverence for the Lord is an education into itself. Why? Because God invented everything. He invented physics. He invented anatomy. He invented geography. There's some brilliant people in this room. I know that. I don't know all of you, but I know there's some very smart, smart people in this room. And guess what? Not one brain cell connecting and firing in your synapse right now. You got by yourself. So if you did graduate, magna cum laude, summa cum laude, whatever, I'm thankful for that, okay? By the way, I did too in a Reformed Presbyterian seminary. I did too, all right? But don't ever think that you got there by yourself. Why? Reverence for the Lord is an education in itself. God thought it all up. He brought it together, and the more that you get to know about God, the I'm going somewhere. The more that you get to know about God, you understand that history is his story. I said history is his story. God knows the beginning. He knows the middle. He knows the end. He is the I am. That is the I am. In other words, he is the beginningless and endless creator of the universe. Before time ever existed, God was. And when it's all wrapped up, God still will be. And one day, you're going to stand among professors and smart people and principals and teachers and agnostics and atheists, and they're going to have to bow down on their face and declare that Jesus is Lord. So no professor knows the end of things, but God does. Amen. Number two, never stop learning. Our pastor says this often. Leaders are learners, and leaders must be readers. All leaders are learners. The moment you stop learning is the moment you stop leading. How many of you have a business? How many of you own a business? Or you're high up in a business? Raise your hand. Several of you, okay? 
you understand that if you stop learning about your business, right, you stop growing the business. So growing businesses require growing people who learn how to lead in new ways. Growing organizations require growing leaders. The moment that you stop growing your business, organization, ministry, or whatever, you stop growing. Why? All leaders are learning. So how many of you have thought the full adults, because this room is full of adults, and some of you are asking, they're looking at me like, man, where is he going with this? How many of you have decided in your mind at 40, 50, 60 years old that you can still learn something brand new and even learn a skill? C.S. Lewis said, you're never too old to dream another dream. How many of you will make up in your mind that in the next six months I'm going to learn something and the next month I'm going to learn something that I've never learned before? Why? Because God created you to be in a continuous process of learning. How many of you have ever heard the term artificial intelligence? You better pay attention. I just want to put that out there. I don't have time to talk about it. But you better pay attention when you hear the term AI. You better start studying. You better start reading about it. It's important to the future of this world and how this world is going to end up. I promise you. Not prophesying doom and gloom, but I'm just just telling you. The problem with us as the church is we've hid ourselves in the four walls and we've put our head in the sand and we're waiting on Jesus to return and we'll say God will all sort it out in the end. That's not how God created us to live. God, man, can you get a hold of this? God did not create you to sit in these four walls. We didn't. This church, this place next door is not being built so we could just show up on Wednesday night and have all this to ourselves and go home and twiddle our thumbs till Jesus comes. That's not how God created us, and that's not why he saved us. He saved us and he empowered us so that we could go and be influences in our world, in our culture, in the marketplace, in politics, in business. Amen? Amen. Wise men, Bible says, Proverbs 18 and 15. Wise men and women are always learning. They're always listening for fresh insights. You need to circle the word learning and circle the word listening, and you need to draw the line between the two of them because you can't learn if you won't listen. Mm, That was good preaching right there. I made up in my mind, pastors echoed this. I'm tagging off of him, but a message that he preached last year. And I made up in my mind, there's one thing, and my wife, she's here, so don't ask her if I'm doing a good job. I made up in my mind, this year, I'm going to listen more than I talk. Now, you say, that's easy. No, it's not, if you publicly speak for a living. It's not easy. But it's not easy if you're just living life. Why? Because some of us like to talk. You know why I wound up in the principal's office in ninth grade? Because I wouldn't stop talking. Thank the Lord that the, my mom knew the principal and she worked in the administrative office at that school. Praise God. Thanks, Mom. 
But hear me very carefully. If I'm not listening, I'm not learning. Now, right now, what am I doing? I'm processing and giving you information. So I've already taught this to myself, right? I've been preaching this to myself over the last several days. It's been in my spirit. I've been educating myself on this topic. But right now, I'm not listening. You're listening and learning. But I'm not listening, so I'm not learning. But you've got to listen so that you can learn. In other words, there's a reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth. Let me, uh, parents and grandparents, let me tell you something very, very, very important. One of the best things that you can teach your children is how to listen. And the second best thing that you can teach them is how to ask good questions. Amen? Good leaders ask good questions. Great leaders ask great questions. Teach your children and your grandchildren. I'm not talking about playing the quiet game. I'm talking about how to listen and process what they're hearing. We must teach. I'm trying to help us tonight. I, I, I'm trying to help us all, right? The Bible says this, 2 Timothy 2.15, we know this. Study to do what? Show yourself what? Approved unto God. A what? Workman. That's not a shame. The Bible says that if you want God to do work in your life, you must study. In other words, if I call myself a disciple, who calls himself a disciple here? If you call yourself a disciple, that's essentially calling yourself a student. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. People tell me all the time, I don't have time to read, or man, I read so much in school, I just don't want to read anymore. Okay? Just remember this. And I'm, I, I, I wish we could finish this, but I just don't have time. The people you hang out with and the books you read will determine the future that you're going to have. Let me say that again. The people you hang out with and the books that you read will determine the future that you're going to be. Remember our fourth point? We won't get to it. But make sure that you have the right relationships. The Bible says what? Bad company corrupts. Hope House, TPC, testimony. So the Bible, so I want you to understand this. The, hear me very carefully. The average person reading 20 minutes a day can read around 1.8 million words a year. That's the equivalent of you and I reading 18 to 20 books a year. And you're thinking, oh, my God, I can't even read one book a year. Right? Or for Lauren, that's the equivalent of a week's worth of reading. Praise God. <laughs> 20 minutes a day will give you 1.8 million words a year. The equivalent of over 18 to 20 books a year. Hear me very carefully. Parents and grandparents and guardians. If your student reads at least 20 minutes a day, it's proven in a recent study that these students will score in the top 90th percent of standardized testing. The Bible says that we must study to show yourself approved to God. Proverbs 19.8, those who get wisdom do themselves a favor, and those who love learning will succeed. You actually do yourself a favor when you learn, hear me very carefully, you learn how to learn. How many of you remember Brother Tenney? Bishop T.F. Tenney. He always had good one-liners, right? 
I remember him telling us in a, in a minister's conference, he says, boys, if you don't read, you'll never have nothing to preach. And I know that was resistant by some people because I've had ministers tell me, well, I don't read anything but the Bible. Well, that's very limiting because God give a lot of great men and women a lot of great things to say about the Bible. And you might want to try that out as well to go with the Bible. Are you with me? When we read, we learn how to talk. When we read, we learn how to listen. Hear me very carefully. It's proven. When you read, you learn how to empathize with others. Reading is now, it is now scientifically proven to reduce stress in your life. 15 to 20 minutes of reading reduces stress in your life. 15 to 20 minutes of reading, I don't know if, if you, like me, if you like to read at night, I like to read in the morning time because I feel like I got more energy, but I know if I read at night, I won't have any trouble going to sleep, right? I want you to succeed. You have a pastor. How, how many of you are thankful for your pastor? That, he wants you to succeed. He wants you to succeed in your career. We want you to succeed in your finances. We want you to succeed in every area of your life. But those are the areas, you got to hear me very carefully. You have to look and say, okay, I'm going to do the inventory in my life. I'm going to realize where my weaknesses are, and I'm going to do everything that I can educate myself to get better where I'm weak. Really? Amen? It's important to know the difference, and I'm finishing up. It's important to know the difference between wisdom and knowledge because they're both important. They're both essential. But if you're going to succeed in life, you need to get knowledge and you need to get wisdom, but they're not the same. I wrote the definition of knowledge there in your handout, okay? Knowledge is information that you gain from education or experience. But wisdom, this is the key part right here, write this down. Wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's viewpoint. Wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's viewpoint. You want to know what wisdom is? Seeing your relationships from God's viewpoint. Wisdom is seeing your finances from God's viewpoint. Wisdom is seeing your career from God's viewpoint. You can get knowledge from a book but you got to get wisdom from God. Some people have a lot of knowledge. Hear me very carefully. Some people have a lot of knowledge, but since they don't get their wisdom from God, they're still in a world of hurt. And when we get wisdom, we can start to understand life like we've never understood it before. Amen? There's a lot of people that also don't even have a high school degree, but they have wisdom. And they can share things with you and speak things into your life that a man with two or three doctorates can't. Why? Wisdom is from God. The most fundamental, the deepest questions of your life are all solved by wisdom, not knowledge. And they only come from God. And I'm finishing up. At the bottom of your outline, there's a little thing right there, and it says this. I don't want to leave you hanging. I must learn truth in order to discern the lies. I must learn truth in order to discern the lies. 
If you have any more blanks, I'll fill them in. But I'm going to leave you with this, and we're going to close. The average American, hear me very carefully, spends seven hours and four minutes looking at a screen a day. By the time your child is 18 years old, most students will have watched over 30,000 hours of something on a screen. In contrast, do you know how long it takes you to read through 66 books in a Bible? Just at an average pace of reading, it only takes 80 hours. Man, 80 hours, that's a long time. 30,000 hours is not. Because here's the thing that you have to understand. If I want more of God, then I've got to spend less time doing other things in my life. If I want to spend more time in God's Word and get more from God and God's presence, then I've got to subtract some things out of my life. I've got to set some parameters and I've got to set some boundaries. I wish I could finish this up, but I don't have time to finish it up. But I hope you get the essence of what I'm talking about. Don't stop pursuing the wisdom of God. Make up in your mind you're going to take a stand. Steep yourself deeply in the Word of God. Surround yourself with the right relationships. Can we stand tonight? Wasn't that such a great lesson? So I read a book. It was years ago. It's called The Seven Mountains. Here's The Seven Mountains. Entertainment, education, finance, business, family, religion, government. Guess what? The church, the church owns none of them. And the church has no recognizable leader in any of them. That's not to down you. That's not to down me. What it is, is, is we taught you, we, here's what we taught you. You come to church, you pay your tithes, you show up when the doors are open, you live a good, clean life, and that's all we required of you. That's what you were taught. That's exactly what you were taught. And I, that's not against anybody. It's that's what you were taught, and so that's what you did. And in the meanwhile, we now have no representation in education, we have no representation in entertainment, no representation in business or finance or government. Because we were taught, come be good little Christians, keep your nose clean, dress white, right, spit white, pay your tithes, come to church. And now we're in the shape we're in. Because Jesus didn't say, come go behind four walls. He said, behold, I send you as sheep among wolves. And ladies and gentlemen, here, here's what I want to close with tonight. I'm way more, way more concerned about us being what God wants us to be than having just goosebumps and chills on a Sunday morning. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be kings and priests. 
and have and walk in dominion. But we taught you, my dad did, I did, I'm guilty as anybody. We taught you, you know what? If you've got a problem, pray about it. Just pray about it. That was our go-to. Pray about it, pray about it, pray about it. And there's nothing wrong with praying about it. We need to pray about it. But here's what I also know. You do your part, got to do his part. And the Bible talks a lot about our mind. And it's very easy. I know. I know how easy it is. It's very easy. And you can sit in front of a screen and two hours go by just like that. And when you're done, you ask yourself, what kind of value did I get from that? Can I answer it for you? I can tell you. Zero. I'm not against entertainment. We all need to give our mind a break. But I'm going to tell you something. The average person, average person, is now in front of a screen seven hours a day. So I don't know if I believe that. Just get on your phone right now and Google it and see. Seven to eight hours a day in front of some type of screen. I just think we can do better than that. I'm not getting on to nobody. I'm not mad. I promise you. I'm just telling you why we are. Why are we, why are we where we are? Because we were taught to be just good little Christians. And now look at America. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't only sad what's going on. It's sick. What's going on. It's sick. Thank you, brother. Romans 12 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Most of the battles in life are mind battles. And if you can learn how to win in your mind, you can learn how to win in life. One of the key things I wish I knew when I was 30, talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Do not listen to yourself. Because if you listen to yourself, you're going to spiral downward. Because you're going to always be thinking about what you don't have. What do you mean talk to yourself? Tell yourself who you are in Christ. Even if you don't believe it, tell yourself. Because eventually it's going to get from your head to your heart. It took me seven years to talk to myself about one thing before I started believing it. But I eventually believed it. Seven years. Seven years. This is the longest journey. The longest 18 inches in the world is from right here to right here. Man, Lord, thank you for your word. No matter how many times I've heard it, I'm still challenged by it. Thank you. No matter how many times I've read it, you illuminate it in a different way and you feed me because this word is living. It is the only book in the entire world that is alive. It is the bread that feeds us. Manta from heaven. Lord, help us to hear this word, not just hear it, but receive it and to be a doer of it. Put it in our hearts, oh God. Put it in our hearts to draw nigh to you and you will draw nigh to us. Put it in our hearts to lay down, Lord, some of these screens that we were looking at Get our, get our mind and our hearts into your word, into good books that will feed our faith. 
thank you for your people. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight. God, we haven't come here to hurt. We've come here to equip and to bless. God, we're not come here to throw stones or to judge people. That's, that's not. God, that ain't even our purpose. That ain't even in our thoughts. Our thoughts, Lord, are to equip for the work of ministry. Because, God, you wanted your people. You wanted your people to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and lenders and not barriers. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I know we've helped you a long time tonight, but, boy, that was so good. Okay, before you go, would you just close your eyes? Would you get still? Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, put in my heart what I've just heard. Help me to change because I can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, give us all a good night's rest. Help us to wake up refreshed, ready to face the day. Put us at the right place, at the right time. And help us, oh God, Help us to have, O oh Lord, an encouraging word for someone tomorrow. Use us as the very hands and feet of Jesus. Help us to be more than good little Christians. Help us to be disciples of Christ. And help us to change our world. In Jesus' mighty name. I love all.